I say to you that if two believers on earth agree, that is, are of one mind in harmony about anything that they ask within the will of God, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, meeting together as my followers, I am there among them. This morning, I want to bring to a conclusion our series entitled 40 Days of Prayer. We have set aside 40 days and we fasted. Some of us fasted social media. Some of us fasted food, whatever it was. And the truth is, we heard some incredible testimonies. This Wednesday night, don't miss it. We're going to have another prayer gathering. And last Wednesday night was so wonderful. I mean, it was so full here. There were people in the balcony as well. It was wonderful to see how many people showed up just to pray and worship the Lord. I love that. I don't think that makes, you know, there's a lot of things that make me happy. I love when people show up for picnics. I love when people show up for barbecues. I love when people show up for church services. But I really, 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 did I say really love when people show up for prayer? I mean, that, that excites me more than anything else when people show up for prayer. And so this morning, I want to encourage you as we look in the scriptures to remember a couple of weeks ago, we said that prayer is, number one, a privilege. Number two, it has to be a priority in our life. Number three, that God has given us prayer as a provision. He said, don't be anxious about anything, but with prayer. And when we pray, the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard our hearts and our mind in Christ Jesus. He gives us precious promises. We're going to look at one today in prayer because prayer becomes very powerful. And we've, we've learned that the Holy Spirit helps us in prayer. That God gave us the Spirit so that he would aid us in our prayer because there's nothing more vital, nothing more important, and nothing more tougher than prayer in our life. Because the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak, and every time we get down to pray, the enemy is going to attack us because he does. The devil does not want you to pray. Because there is a power that is released in prayer that cannot be released any other way. There is an intimacy with God, and we don't pray to get our answers to prayer. We pray so that we could be intimate with God. Notice what John chapter 15 tells us that, that he's the vine, we are the branches, and that if we abide in him, if we have a personal, intimate relationship with Christ through prayer, then we can ask anything and it will be done. Why? Because we'll know the Father, we'll know, we'll know what's on his heart. And if we know what's on his heart, we, we know what makes the heart of God glad, we know the will of God, then we can pray with confidence that he will hear us because we know the will of God. Now, the truth is we must all be persistent in prayer and never give up. Last week, we spoke about being persistent in prayer until your breakthrough comes. And the truth is many of us will never experience a breakthrough in our life 
until we get to that point in our life where we're good and desperate to say, God, whatever your will is, and Lord, you've got to do a work of character in our life. If you remember, we talked about the fact that there's timing with God so that when we pray, we need to ask God, God, give me the patience to wait on your perfect timing. That in prayer, as we wrestle with God, God is doing something of character in our heart. And God does pull back the curtain and show us that many times in prayer that we are involved in spiritual warfare. And we need to keep on praying till the answer comes because the enemy does not want to give up a foothold or a stronghold um, in your life. And so the truth is, as we look at prayer, it becomes something in which God develops in our life. And Wednesday night, I spoke about the reasons why God does not answer prayer in our life. And some people, we'll pray and we'll pray and we'll pray and we'll pray and we'll, we'll wonder why God is not answering our prayers. Well, there are a few reasons why God will not answer our prayer. Number one, bitterness will keep you from getting your prayers answered. If there's bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart, God will not answer your prayer. He cannot. He will not violate his word. And the Bible says that we're to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. That if there's gossip in our heart, if we're gossiping about anyone, the Bible tells us that, 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 that there are seven things that God hates. The, the, the seventh one of those things is an abomination to God. He that sows discord amongst the brethren. And believe me, there are people that speak things that they should not say. And they know they should not say it because they breathe discord. God cannot bless that. He will not bless you. Then there is unconfessed sin. God will not uh, hear your prayer when there's unconfessed sin. And why will he not hear your prayer? Because he wants you to get it right in your life. He wants to cleanse you and he won't, and he won't answer your prayers until you are confessing your sins the bible says if you walk in the light as he is in the light then we have fellowship with one another and the blood of christ heals us cleanses us from all of our sin and so we've got to understand that sometimes god's doing a work of character in our life and we just say why isn't god answering our prayers sometimes we need to say maybe the reason is because god wants to do a character work in our life and for the last 40 days, we've been pressing into God and we've been doing a lot of praying towards things in our life that God wants to, to rectify, things in our life that God wants to do in our life to, to bless us. And we've been gathering together in prayer groups. And, and you know what? It was so exciting to hear the stories of all the groups that gathered together, 70 plus groups gathered together at Bethlehem Assembly of God wherever, in houses, at the church, to pray and seek the Lord. And man, did we hear some incredible testimonies of the good things that God has done in many of your lives. And I actually want you to stop for a moment and take a look at this video, and uh, you'll see a couple of those stories. You want to share for a minute or so how you saw God move in the last 40 days of prayer? I saw God move. I was on, um, in a homeless shelter. So in October, I lost my cousin. Two years into the separation, my husband served me with divorce papers. Then my grandmother got sick, and now my grandfather is sick. I was really scared to even go into it. Pray on all occasions. Pray when things are awesome. Pray when you're going through a valley. Eight days into the 40 days of prayer, God did the impossible. My husband called me, and he told me that he was sorry that he never stopped loving me and that he wanted to work on our marriage. God restored our marriage. 
Throughout that whole process, I've been seeing the faithfulness of God. If anyone's down, pray. If anyone's rejoicing, praise the Lord. God was able to let me qualify for what I was not qualified for. So God is a good God and I'm so grateful to him for all that he has done and I continue to praise him. I can't praise him enough. And this is the reason why I love the Lord so much because he always come through. All throughout the past 40 days, the past couple months, and it's just reminding me of my journey and God's promises. And he's just so faithful to those promises. That's just the tip of the iceberg for how much we've seen God move and transform lives in the past 40 days. But here's the reality. We don't just have 40 days. We've got another 325. What that means is that you can get better plugged in, you can get deeply connected, and you can continue to see this happen all throughout the year, not just through the summer. So stay tuned for some next steps, some new information, and some new ways to get better plugged in. Oh, who is that guy? Um, Yo, good morning, church. I want to share for a few minutes on the importance of continuing what we've seen in the last 40 days. Uh, much like a gym membership, we can get very amped. We could get very excited. We could see some immediate results and go, I think I'm good for the rest of the year. I'm fine. I'm fine. And then the holidays hit, and then you look at yourself and you go, I think I may need to do this again. Well, here's the reality. I don't think Jesus invited us to be a, a part of a body. He didn't, he didn't offer an invitation to us where we see growth, we see some great things happen, and then we kind of coast until we have another great need for those things to happen. I, I think that the life that Jesus wants us to live is a life of continual gathering, continually going deeper with one another, continually seeing his kingdom made manifest on earth. For some of you, this was your first time gathering with a group of people, and you saw some amazing transformation. For others of you, this was your first time hosting to a group of people. For some of you, you've been doing this for years and years, and you saw some wonderful things happen. But here is the reality. We don't want it to stop here. It can't stop here. God does not desire it to stop here. And so if you signed up for this thinking, all right, I could do 40 days well, I think God's invitation to you now is, could you do the rest of the year? Could you do with more? This Wednesday night, we are going to cast some vision. Downstairs in the cafe at 7.30, we're going to host a gathering. And if you are a one-group gatherer in this space and you are leading a prayer group these past 40 days, you are cordially invited to come. You should check your emails. I've been sending a couple of them. And if you are just thinking, I, I, this, this group was amazing. I've got to keep doing this. This was awesome. How do I take it beyond 40 days? We invite you. If you're not a gatherer, if this was your first time hosting, or you have some interest after seeing that testimony video, after being a part of a group, after seeing what has happened in the past 40 days in your life, and you go, I want to do that. Sign me up. I can do this. I want to be a part of some transformation here. We invite you to be a part of the next gathering that happens this Wednesday night, September. Thank you. This Wednesday night at 7.30 in the cafe, we would love to see you there. We'd love to give you some information about the way we do discipleship at Bethlehem and how you can be a part of fulfilling the Great Commission, which is to make disciples in all the earth. Thanks. Thank you. So Wednesday night, we heard some testimonies, and that one young lady on the, on the video, she actually was looking for housing, and she had been homeless and she prayed in the Lord after 40 days. 
opened up an incredible situation that her housing was actually paid for for one year. Amen. And what an incredible story. And young lady talked about how God healed her marriage and the Lord convicted. That's what happens when you begin to pray. You know, sometimes we want to take matters into our own hands, but when we pray, God begins to move on our behalf. He convicts our husbands and our wives, and he convicts the people in our life. He convicts ourselves, and, um, and God does something incredible in our life. This morning, I, I want to actually look at Matthew 18 a little deeper. Again, I say to you, Jesus said, that if two believers on earth agree, that is, are in one mind or in harmony about anything they ask for within the will of God, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So Jesus teaches us, number one, that it's really, really important to have a personal prayer life, to spend time in solitary with the Lord, to have a prayer closet. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6 and when you pray do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others you know there are people they they love to stand up and let everybody see that they're prayer warriors they want everybody to catch them in prayer why because they're trying to attract attention to themselves I want you to know that your secret prayer life is the most important part of your whole life. It's what happens when no one else is looking. They said they have their receive, they have their reward, Jesus says. They've received it in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you and when you pray do not keep on babbling like the pagans for they think that they will be heard because of their many words do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask Jesus said don't pray to be seen by others why because you're going to receive your reward in full he said when you pray he didn't say if you pray that's not an option. Prayer is not an option in our lives. It's like me being married to my wife for 35 years and never spending time with my wife. That's ludicrous. Why would I want to get married unless I wanted to have an intimate relationship with my wife? And you have to communicate. So Jesus said, when you pray, not if you pray, go into your room. Close the door. Pray in secret. The secret place. The secret place where your roots go deep. The secret place where your intimacy with Christ is cultivated. The secret place where that those secret things of your heart is laid bare before the Lord, the secret place where you find the heart of God. I love what David says in Psalms 27. Listen to what he says. One thing I ask from the Lord, the only thing I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He's not talking about the sanctuary. He's not talking about the synagogue, the temple. He's talking about the secret place where you meet with God alone. He said, 
to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. You are my dwelling place, O Lord. Amen. Uh, Psalms 91 says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty God. It's the secret place where you and God get alone, where you and God speak. As the Bible says, Moses would go out and he would speak to the Lord as he spoke to his friend face to face. It's that place, the secret place, the sacred place. Notice what he said. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. The secret place, the sacred place, the place where I meet with God alone. My friend, you and I will never cultivate a relationship with God without the secret place in your life. When should you start? Right now. You should not allow anything to crowd out your secret place. Don't allow guilt and condemnation to steal the secret place. Don't allow other things to rob the peace and joy of that private secret place with God. There's nothing more vital. There's nothing more important. There's nothing more rewarding. There's nothing more stretching. There's nothing more productive than the secret time with God. Martin Luther said, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. Wow. Here's the guy who brought the, the, the reformation to the church. Here's the guy who gave us the opportunity to understand, peer into the grace of God. And Martin Luther said, There's, I'm so busy that I must spend the first three hours of my day in prayer so that I can have, out of the overflow of my presence with God, out of the overflow of my secret time with God, I can see the good things of God flow through my life and touching other people. You can't be effective without the secret place. But Jesus also teaches that there's exponential power in praying with other people. In other words, Jesus gives us a definite promise for united prayer where people are in agreement. Jesus calls it the prayer of agreement. Everybody say the prayer of agreement. Jesus tells us we can find intimacy with God in the secret place. We can even find mightier power with God when we pray with someone else. But we can even find exponential power when we're praying with another believer. Deuteronomy chapter 32 tells us that one will put a thousand to flight and two will put 10,000 to flight. Now, really in its context, God is speaking to the people of Israel and he's giving them an exponential understanding. He's given them an exponential uh, understanding of two people coming together. As the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, two are better than one. Two are better than one. And here he's giving us an exponential explanation. He says one will put a thousand. Hey, listen, I'm glad that I can put a thousand demons to flight. But the Bible tells us two coming together is ten times more powerful 
Two will put 10,000 demons of flight. Two will put 10,000 problems of flight. Why? Because we're better together. Turn to your neighbor and say, we are better together. Leviticus chapter 26 says, and five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall chase 10,000 to flight, and your enemy shall fall before the sword. That's exponential power that's released when two or more people choose to pray the prayer of agreement. Everybody say the prayer of agreement. Now the Greek word for agreement is actually um, symposio, which we get the root word symphony from. We get the root word for symphony. And what's a symphony? It's a group of people that work together in harmony. Everyone knows their place. Everyone knows their timing. Everyone is trying to do the same thing. They're going in the same direction. That's one of the reasons why a couple of years ago we began to pray together as a staff. And we realized that there were good things happening in the church. There were great things happening in the church. But there were some groups that were kind of doing their own thing. They were coming up with their own ideas. And we thought to ourselves, you know, that's powerful in some ways, but that's not really unified together. And we began to unify the church. And there's been some challenges along the way with that because some people really think they have the answer. They know what they're doing. And sometimes they want to create their own little groups of people going in their own direction. God does not bless that. God blesses when we are in unity with one another. Come on, somebody help me out. It's a symphony. Everyone going in the same direction. And friend, I got to be honest with you. There's only one pastor. There's only one head. A two-headed person is a monster. And so you've got to have the head and you've got to have the leadership pouring it down, bringing a symphony of direction, a symphony of purpose purpose, a, a symphony of all of us going in the same direction. That's why I'm very passionate about Grow University. That's why I'm very passionate about the one groups, pulling everyone together, discipling the leaders of that group. Hey, listen, if a person comes to you and they're not a part of the one group and they're not a leader in the one group, listen, they're not going in the same direction as Bethlehem Assembly of God. And you need to be very careful because that person's going to take you in a place where it's not blessed and covered by God. But listen, the symphony what is a symphony? Well, when I think of a piano, I think you can make one note. That's a nice note, right? But now you can take that note and you can put two notes together with that and you could Ooh, lean on me when you're that strong. You can exponentially make a symphony. And let me tell you something. When I watch Anthony lead worship, he knows how to play a guitar. When I watch some of these guys play the piano, I mean, it is so powerful. It's like they can make sounds out of a piano that I've never heard before. And they're so talented. Why? Because they understand octaves and they understand notes, putting them together. You put the right notes together, you create harmony. You put the wrong notes together and you create a really bad sound. I mean, when I started to play the guitar when I was a kid, man, I used to just, I pulled out the guitar and I started playing and banging on that thing. And my mom's like, please stop playing the guitar because it sounded horrible. 
I had to take some lessons. I had to learn that some notes go together, some notes don't go together. But when you put them all together, man, you start singing, you start harmonizing, and man, it becomes a beautiful. Did you ever hear a group, uh, a group of a cappella singers? I mean, they don't even need instruments. They just know how to be able to harmonize together, blend together. It's one of the most beautiful things in the world. Have you ever been to a symphony? It's an amazing thing where all of the different people begin to, you know, the violins and, you know, the clarinets, and they do it all together. And it's just like one, one song. It's not many songs. It's one song that's beautiful together. And everybody knows their part. And, you know, and they go through the symphony, and the guy with the little, you know, he's got that little triangle angle and all he has to do is bing one time in the whole song bing one time in the whole song but if he misses his cue it doesn't sound right and all of a sudden you you know and the bible tells us in first corinthians chapter 12 that some of us are violins and some of us are trombones and trumpets and some of us our guitars and some of us are trumpet and some of us are drums and some of us are that that little triangle and we don't seem so significant but if we just do it as unto the Lord and we play our part you know the Bible tells us that every part of the body is important in fact the Bible says that some of the parts that are not seen are more important than the parts that are seen and there is a group of people in this church that are never seen on Sunday morning. They pray at 7.30 in the morning. And they cry out to God. And there's a group of people that are praying in the midnight hour. There's a group of people that are showing up on Saturday morning. There's a group of people that are praying and seeking the Lord. There's a group of people that call people that are, that are, that are in the hospital. And they go visit them. And nobody sees them. But they do it as unto the Lord. You know, I was thinking for a moment of a, a, a great couple in the church. Teddy and Maureen Rezik. I mean, I'm Teddy Wing and Maureen. Where are they? Where's the, the Maureen is right here. And where's Teddy? He, I saw him somewhere. I want to tell you, Maureen, you bless my heart so much. You know why? Because you have been working in this church, volunteering in this church uninterrupted for longer than I am the pastor of this church. You've been volunteering in this church for probably 35 plus years or more, uninterrupted. Teddy Wing, you've been serving in this church faithfully. Now, I, I'm telling you, there have been times when they have not agreed with everything that I've done as the pastor. They still don't always agree with everything. But you know what? They do everything as unto the Lord. Quietly as unto the Lord. They don't care about the fanfare. They've been here. They've served in the evangelism program. They've served in the prayer ministry. They've served in the visitation ministry. They serve as ushers. Every Sunday morning, Maureen comes up and she's not a young chicken anymore either. Let me tell you. Now, she's beautiful, but she's not a young chicken. And she comes up here every Sunday morning and ministers the word to people and prays for them. They have been volunteers in this church uninterrupted. They've gone the way of the church. They haven't always agreed with everything, but you know what? They've gone. They've submitted. They said, this is what the pastor wants. We're going to go this direction. And you know what? God has blessed their marriage. God has blessed their family. And God has blessed us through their lives. I want you to give them a big hand today. I appreciate them so very much. I appreciate you so very much. God bless you. 
I was thinking about it. You guys blew my heart, blew me away a couple of weeks ago when I started thinking about you guys. I said, you know what? They've never stopped volunteering in the church all these years. Always been faithful. See, we all have our part to play in the body of Christ. We all need to know our place in the body of Christ. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes to them all. There are different kinds of services, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them, in everyone, God is at work. Hallelujah. That God is at work in all of us doing our part. Now, we need to know where we fit in the body. And we need to know who the head of the body is, and that's Christ. And we need to know who their under-shepherds are. And we need to know who leadership is. We need to be submissive to leadership. Now, to each one, the manifest, each one, not just some, but to every one of us in this room, the manifestation of the Spirit has been given for the common good. To one, there has been given through the Spirit of a message of wisdom to another, the message of knowledge by the means of the same spirit to another, faith by the same spirit to another, gifts of healing by the one spirit to another, miraculous powers to another, prophecy to another, distinguishing between spirits to another, speaking in different kinds of tongues to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and same spirit, and he distributes them as to each one just as he determines, just as a body Though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, and we form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were given all to drink of the one spirit. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say... Because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not the eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not be for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lack it. So that there should be no divisions in the body. But that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Those are one groups. People gathering together, recognizing we all have gifts, we all have abilities, we all have talents, and we all have the manifestation, the characteristics of the Spirit working through our life. And we cannot say to one another, we don't need each other. The I can't say to thee, I don't need you. No, every part is interdependent 
on one another. I need you. You need me. I want you to turn to your neighbor again and say, you're the funniest person, funniest looking person I've ever seen, but I need you. I really, really need you. In other words, when somebody unites with us in prayer, we can do 10 times as much as we can do alone. Jesus promises that when people unite in prayer, nations can be transformed. He said, if my people that are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Revival is unleashed when people pray together. People can be touched no matter where they are when there's a group of people praying for them. God can do mighty miracles. The Holy Spirit will come in power. I think about the people in the book of Acts, the early church. The Bible tells us that they came together for 11 days, and the Bible says they prayed, and they were what? In one accord. They were in one place. They were of one mind, of one heart, and as a result of that, the Bible says Pentecost was unleashed onto the church. The power of God came. They ushered in the greatest revival this world has ever seen because they got their stuff together. They were submitted to one another and they prayed. They were one heart, one mind. They were a symphony of prayer. They were harmonizing in prayer. And as a result of that, God did a great work. King Jehoshaphat defeated a vast army that was vastly bigger and more powerful than they were simply through prayer. Queen Esther saved her entire nation through united prayer. The Bible says that Queen Esther said, I want the whole nation to be praying for me while I go into the king. And she saved the whole nation through united prayer. Nehemiah rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem and it started through united prayer. The early church changed the course of history and it started in the upper room. And in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus not only teaches us the need of solitary prayer, but he teaches us the need for united prayer. He reveals to us that prayer binds us to God and binds us to each other. When, listen to me. When people pray together, they stay together. I want you to write that down somewhere. When people pray together, they stay together. There is a statistic that will show you that when, when husbands and wives pray together, they stay together. See, when I'm praying for you, I can't be mad at you. When I'm praying with you, I can't be mad at you. So if, if, if you are mad at somebody, call them up and say, we need to pray together. When I was a, when I was a little boy, I shared a room with my brother Frankie. My brother Frankie was six foot four. And he was about 300 pounds. I am about 170 pounds, 5'11", and half his size. But when we used to get into it, oh, he used to get me so mad. I used to see red when we used to get into an argument. I didn't care how big he was. I was going to go after him because I was so mad at him. And we'd get into these fights back and forth. And my mother, what she used to do to punish us, is she used to put us in the room together, and she used to say, you need to get on your knees and pray for one another. And you're not going to leave the room until you pray for each other. So we'd have to get on our knees and pray for each other. And she'd be watching. I'm not, I can't hear you. Oh, God. I pray for you. 
And pray for Frankie. God, you know I can't stand him. I pray for him anyway. He gets on my nerves. No, 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 not good. You're not done yet. Okay, 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 okay. And I pray for Frankie that you'll bless him today in Jesus. Is that good? No, not yet. You're not done yet. Oh, God. I pray for Frankie that you bless him. And we could not leave that room until we prayed for each other and we hugged each other. Amen. If you got a problem with another Christian, get in a room together and pray and hug each other until you get it right. Come on, somebody. You cannot be mad at somebody when you're praying for somebody. And you know, why does Satan seek to bring division and discord amongst God's people? Because Satan knows the power of God is only poured out when a church is united. Jesus said, a kingdom divided against itself will never stand. Satan knows the anointing of the Holy Spirit is released when people pray in unity, pray in agreement. I'm not just saying get in a room together. You see, I could be in the same room with my brother, but until my heart was changed, until I started to pray true prayers, heartfelt prayers, humble, broken prayers. God would never listen to me. United prayer. Psalms 133. I want you to turn with me to Psalms 133 for a moment. We're going to take communion in a minute, but I want to turn to Psalms 133. And you know, if you look at the context of Matthew 18, you'll notice that in the context of Matthew 18, Jesus is actually talking about getting it right with your brother. Before he talks about the prayer of agreement, he says, if you know that your brother has something against you, then you need to go to your brother and make it right. And and if he has offended you, you need to tell him he's offended you and you need to make it truly make it right. Don't, don't, don't play games, don't pretend, but truly make it right. He said, if he doesn't want to get it right, then bring another Christian, a mature Christian with you. And if that doesn't happen, then bring the leadership of the church. You see the authority that's there? And, and he says, and if that doesn't work, then you need to walk away from the situation. But, he says, but look at the power. He says, notice Matthew 18, 19. Again, I tell you, though... If two of you pray in agreement, get your stuff right. He's saying there's so much power in prayer. Now, you could be over here. You could be divided. You could say, I'm not going to forgive the person. Okay, fine. You could walk away. But he says, but take a look at the power of people who get it right, who humble themselves, submit to God, submit to each other. He says the power of that is so powerful. He's talking about it in the context of unity. He's saying, again, I tell you, if you come together and you harmonize and, simple, and, and, and really be a symphony of prayer in agreement, man, this incredible power. That's why Paul declares in Philippians 2, I want you to keep your hand on Psalms 133. That's where we're going to land. He said, therefore, if any 
If there's any encouragement from being united with Christ, Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others better than yourself, not looking to your own interests, but to each of you and the interest that you have for each other. Unity is a big deal to the Holy Spirit, folks. The devil works overtime to bring division in marriages, in families, in churches, in countries, because he knows that prayer will not be answered without united prayer. So now let's look at, let's look at Psalms 133. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity, in sinfonio, in harmony, in alignment. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. Who was Aaron? Aaron was the high priest. He represented all of Israel to, the, to God for the people. He would go on the day of atonement, Yom Kippur, and he would go into the Holy of Holies and, and he, would, he would take the blood of the lamb and he would pour it on the mercy seat and they would receive forgiveness of their sins. Aaron is a prototype of Jesus. And so the Bible says how good and how pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. It is like the anointing oil. What is the oil? The oil is symbolic of the presence of the Holy Spirit. It is symbolic of the power of the Holy Spirit. And they were in the upper room. They were in one accord. And then the Holy Spirit came down upon what? Came down upon Jesus, the church. Why? Because the body made up of all of the parts represent who? Jesus. We are the body of Christ. Amen? We are the body of Jesus. We are Aaron. And as a result of that, the Bible says when we are aligned with one another, when we're in symphony and harmony with one another, then the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes down. Listen to what he says. It is like the dew of Mount Hermon that now is on Mount Zion. Listen to me. What is the Mount Hermon? What does it have to do with Mount Zion? Well, Mount Hermon was in the north. And did you ever get up in the morning on a summer morning and it was just about to really get hot? It was just about to get really, really hot. I mean, I love kind of like the spring and I like the early summer. When it comes to my grass, it looks so nice. It's all green. You look at my grass now. There's patches here and patches here. Why? Because it just can't get enough water, right? It can't get enough of the water to keep the, the, the grass green. And, 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 and so there's vegetation now on Mount Hermon. Well, Mount Hermon is in the north. And because it's in the north, 
the dew falls and it stays longer on the ground. As a result of that, the vegetation on Mount Hermon stays longer, lasts longer, it's sweeter, and it's better. But now, Mount Zion now is in the southern part. And as a result of that, it gets hot, really, really hot. And because of that, it, the, all of the vegetation, all of the fruits on the vines, everything in, in, the, in the south part is threatened by the hot sun, the very, very hot weather without water, without irrigation. As a result of that, the writer is saying how good and how pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together. It's like oil running down the beard of Aaron. It's like the dew of Mount Hermon. What's the dew of Mount Hermon have to do with the dew of Mount Zion? Well, Mount Zion is dry. He's saying, but when there are times in all of our life that we're dry, when a country is spiritually dry, when a church is spiritually dry, when a family, when a marriage is spiritually dry, but people come together and they start to work together in prayer and they start praying the prayer of agreement and they start putting down their, their idols and whatever they are and they start really serving the Lord together and they come together in unity. It's like the dew on Mount Hermon that comes. It's the rain. It's the water that starts to come down upon the people of God to bless the people of God, to bless their marriage, to bless their family, to bless their church. And Jesus gives us a promise when two or three are gathered together in agreement in symphony he says not only will the power of God be there he said but I will be in their midst there's incredible promises when two people come together and they begin to pray we can expect God to do miracles in our church to do miracles in our family that's why we gather together on Wednesday nights that's why we gather together to pray that's why after every service I call you forward to pray that's why I, I encourage you to get in small groups and, and pray with one another. That's why I want to encourage you. Keep the 40 days going. Keep the 40 days going. Keep it uh, going so that you can keep on praying for one another. Turn 40 days into 40 months and 40 years that you've been praying together. I want you to know something. The blessings of Bethlehem Assembly of God is a result of people that have been praying. They've been praying on Saturday morning. They've been praying for the pastors. They've been praying for the church. They been saying, listen, I, I want the church to be blessed, and I want you to know today, that's the reason why we're blessed. I want you to know the reason why we're blessed at Bethlehem Assembly of God is because every morning for one hour, I gather together with my pastors, and we pray. We pray for you. We pray for our community. We pray for the church, and I want you to know, I'm believing with all my heart that the result of what we're seeing is all about united symphonic prayer together as we pray together I believe God can do powerful things but listen but the best thing of all is Jesus says when you come together in in my name I'm in your midst well what does that mean does that mean that if I don't pray with another believer God is not in my midst no God is everywhere he said I'll never leave you I'll never forsake you so what does that mean it means that Jesus comes in our presence in an exponential way. And we share incredible fellowship. Psalms 133. And this is what the Lord will bless. He said at the end. 
This is what the Lord blesses. When we gather together, there's something that is so sweet. Jesus walks amongst us exponentially. Jesus is living in you. And Jesus is living in you. And Jesus is living in you. And I think, no, no, Jesus is living in you. And 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 Jesus is living in you. Jesus said, greater works you will do than I do because I go to the Father. And so now the Holy Spirit comes to descend on every believer. And the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is upon every believer. And Jesus is living in every believer. And now when I come together with another believer and another believer, and we begin to pray together, the devil runs. Why? Because Jesus is exponentially shown and experienced in all of our lives in such different profound ways. I mean, think about how incredibly awesome God is that he would think of this plan, that he would send the Holy Spirit to live in every one of us. So now we have a multi-ethnic church. And so I got a Jamaican Jesus. And we got an Indian church. Yeah. I got an Indian Jesus, and I've got an African-American Jesus, and I've got an Italian Jesus that likes pasta fazul. And all of us together with all of our different cultures and all of our different gifts and talents and abilities and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit living inside of us creates the beautiful, multi-ethnic body of Christ where Jesus walks within the midst of us doing his work. I love my brother. I pray for my brother. I have something he needs. I pray for him. He has something I need. He gives to me. Why? Because we're interdependent on one another. We make up the body of Christ.